Well, good morning. Um, I was going to speak on something completely different until we read the wrong um, Bible reading this morning, the plan we were following. I read the wrong verses. And as I finished reading them, sort of God dropped this almost fully formed into my mind. So here we go. Um, the text we're looking at today is Paul's first recorded missionary encounter in Europe. Paul knew through the vision that God had called him to Macedonia. And Paul, I'm sure, was expecting God to do something great. So I think now, I can't see the slides. Are the slides up on the screen? John, have you got some? Ah. Okay. So shall we have the next one, John, please? Okay, so I think there are four things that we can learn from these few verses, this very brief record of this uh, missionary encounter that Paul had with Lydia and the ladies in Philippi. Um, and I'll, I shall detail those a little bit later. But just like Paul had been called to Macedonia and found his way to Philippi, so we've been called to tell the people in Wrexham about Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus who want to make more disciples. Let's have a look at this conversation in a little more detail. What did Paul do who was do as a disciple who wanted to make disciples? If we can have the next slide up, John, please. Um, yeah, so Paul knew what it was that he was going to talk about. He knew his message. Paul lived his message. He'd got the message straight in his head before he, he went there. Paul was convinced that the death and resurrection of Jesus had changed everything. And he was convinced that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit with him would be evident in his ministry. Have I got that same conviction of my understanding? Have I got that same um, message embedded in my heart and my mind so that that's what comes out when I start to speak? I think one of the functions of our missional community should be safe places where we can practice our message, where we can practice our testimony, where we can practice what we would say if somebody asked us why we believe in Jesus. I just wonder, have you ever tried to practice on your friends? One suggestion that Liz and I heard recently that was that we should choose four words to hang our testimony on. So this is a go at that. These are four words that I could choose. It was suggested that we should choose two from before we were Christians and two from after we became Christians. And I know there are five there, but you get the point. So um, two minutes. Let's see how I get on. I grew up in a Christian home. I've always gone to church and I've always believed in God and Jesus. But that has become more meaningful as I've grown older. As a child, I had very few friends. I alienated a lot of people, uh, a lot of the other children in school, and I stuck to a very small group of friends, in fact, two or three. But after I was a Christian, I found that I had a community of friends, and church and the fellowship uh, of, of Christians has really been an extended family to me and a wonderful place in which to belong. I also found that I had a new purpose in life. Uh, my identity 
is now as a Christian. So everything I do and everything I think goes through those filters of what would, it, it, what does that look like in a Christian community? What does that look like for a Christian life? What does that look like for Christian witness? So wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I have that sense of purpose. So that's just one suggestion of the way that we can get the message straight in our minds. It's not a complete explanation of the gospel. There is obviously far more that would need to be said, but it's enough to find out if somebody's interested in what we have to say. It's enough to find out if somebody wants to know more about the life and the meaning of Jesus than about what it means to be a Christian. So let's go back to the text. Uh, Luke is writing, he says, we travel to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we thought we would find a special place for prayer. Now, if you can have the next slide, John, I think this is really quite interesting. It suggests that they'd already been in the city a few days before they went to find the place of prayer. Um, so we're, I'm quite curious as to know what might have happened in those first few days that they were there. But my second point is that Paul moved. He did something. He made himself available to God and he went looking for opportunities. It didn't feel as if they'd made much progress before the Sabbath day when they went to this place of prayer. Uh, Paul must have been looking for the Jews in Philippi because that's the way that he worked wherever he got into a new city. And uh, we can also guess because there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi that there weren't a lot of Jews there. I think if Paul had met fellow Jews who were interested, he would have said, Luke would have said something like, we went together, we went with them to the place of prayer. But uh, the, NIV, the NIV tells us that they thought, or they were expecting to find a place of prayer. So um, they didn't really know where they're going, I'm guessing. There's a good question we can ask ourselves. Where can we go to find people who might be interested in hearing about Jesus? I noticed again, Paul was looking for Jews. It wasn't cross-cultural at this stage. He wasn't speaking to the Gentiles or the, um, uh, the, the, the Romans from Italy. He was looking for like-minded people. So where do people who are like me gather to talk about the matters of the day or the meaning of life? Where can I go to find them? Paul had spent a few days looking around Philippi, not getting the results he expected. I wonder what we do when we don't get the results we expect. Sometimes we dig our heels in and we just keep going and we keep plowing on, even though we're not getting results. Sometimes, of course, that is the right thing to do. We have to keep going. But can we change our strategy? Can we reevaluate what we're doing? Um, can we do something different or tweak it as we need to? So let's go back to the text. So some other women had gathered there. So we sat down and talked to them. If you could have the next slide up, John. We've seen that Paul knew his message, that he lived his message. We've seen that Paul was looking for opportunities 
uh, that he moved, that he made himself available. So my third point is that he partnershiped with the Holy Spirit and he took that step of faith. Now I just wonder, I'm speculating here, but we know that Paul describes himself elsewhere as a Pharisee of Pharisees. We know that he just revisited a lot of churches that he had established. We know that he traveled through Asia from town, from town to town, seeing the churches growing stronger in the faith and seeing churches growing larger every day. So I just wonder what Paul expected to find when he got to this special place of prayer. Given the nature of Paul's ministry and given the culture of the day that didn't particularly value women, I wonder what Paul thought when he sat down to chat with the women who had gathered there. And I also just further speculating around this, wonder if that's why Lydia, after she was converted, says to Paul, um, if, you, if you think I'm truly a believer in the Lord, then come and stay in my house. So perhaps she was still trying to persuade Paul I'm sure Paul saw her as important, but perhaps she was trying to persuade herself that she was important enough for Paul to come and stay with her. I think, if nothing else, it shows us that Paul was willing to talk to anybody and everybody. Again, we know from uh, the letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote, he says, I have become all things to all men, so that I may, so that I may by all means save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share its blessings along with you. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those into a God-saving life. I did this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So Paul saying that he was prepared to be anything and everything for the sake of the gospel. So how far would we go to identify ourselves with others? I notice the translator there says that Paul doesn't take on others' way of life. He sticks to his principles, but he identifies with others. So let's go back to today's text. One of the listeners was a woman from Lydia. Sorry, one of the listeners was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira whose job was selling purple cloth. She worshipped God, and God opened her mind to pay attention to what Paul was saying. It appears that Lydia already worshipped God. However, we note here that God opened her mind to pay attention to what Paul was saying. So when we're talking to people about Jesus, it's important that we keep one ear on what Holy Spirit is saying to us. We're not doing this on our own. We're in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And it's God who opens people's minds to listen to what we're saying. Holy Spirit, of course, works in their hearts so that they become believers. We just do our bit. 
it's not enough for us to say, if God wants to do it, then he'll do it. We have to be willing and obedient. So Lydia and all the people in her house were baptised. And so this is my fourth point, obedience. We have to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Those who are interested, those who uh, have come some way along with us, those who are clearly ready to accept uh, and want to become Christians, they have to have an opportunity to say that. The way Luke writes it, Lydia goes from having her mind opened by God to being baptised. I wonder if it really happened like that all in one go. It might well have done. But I think at some point Paul must have asked if she wanted to be a Christian and if she wanted to be baptised. We find this so hard, don't we, to present people with an opportunity to make a choice and confess their faith. When is the right moment? Do it too soon and they might say no. Do it too late and um, they might have already made up their minds in other ways. Finding that right moment, but it's so important. Uh, again, uh, we read in uh, Romans, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's important that we give people that opportunity to voice their um, decision to become a Christian. So if you can have that slide up, John, that just says, Jesus is Lord. That's what we need to give people the opportunity to confess and indeed to live out in their lives and our lives. So just a, a quick summary on the last slide. Paul knew his message. He lived his message. Paul was willing, he moved, he went looking for opportunities. He did something about it. Paul is in partnership with the Holy Spirit, listening to that moment, watching for those who are interested in what he's saying. And in obedience to the Holy Spirit's prompting, he gives that opportunity for Lydia to be baptised and to confess that she has become a Christian. So just four things that we can bear in mind as we look to be disciples who make disciples. And of course, we know the rest of the story from, from here. Uh, Lydia was an important businesswoman in Philippi. She is what we might call a person of peace today, a person who can influence other people and uh, um, made a difference in that town of Philippi. And of course, from there and her conversion, the gospel spread throughout Europe. So thank you.